after a uh, recent seminary grad was done with school, he and his wife started their first ministry, and um, they were kind of nervous about it. He had never done this before, and and uh, they had went to dinner at his in-law or uh, at his parents' house, and uh, her mother-in-law knew there was something wrong with his wife, and so she she just didn't want to start anything, so she just kind of let it go. But at the end of the night, she could tell there was something really really strange about this relationship, and she overheard as they were leaving her daughter-in-law say this, all right, we can go by the church and you can practice baptizing me just one more time, but remember this, when you have to do your first funeral, you are not going to practice burying me. Oh, come on, that was funny. I thought it was, wow, we awake today? Today we're continuing our series of what we believe, talking about baptism. I remember my baptism. It was January 19th of 1996. Sorry, not January. That would have been, once I get the story, you'd be like, you're crazy. June 19th of 1996, and I was at church camp, and it was a camp, week of camp I wasn't even going to go to because I was tired of this Jesus stuff always being pushed on me, and so uh, I decided, I told my mom I wasn't going to go to camp. She said, well, your grandpa already paid for you to go. I said, I don't care. I'm not going. She said, that's your choice. And as I sat in the living room, I kid you not, I heard a voice that said, Dan, go to camp. And I'm not going to try to explain what that voice was. I'm not sure. I just know that it scared me enough to where I got up and I said, Mom, I need to go to church camp. So I was, as I was in church camp, it was a Tuesday, and, and the, the preacher was preaching at our chapel service, and I don't remember a word he was saying. But here's this 15-year-old atheist kid sitting there, me, having an argument with a God I didn't believe in, that he didn't exist. And in the middle of this man's message, the Holy Spirit won. And I stood up even before the invitation, and I started going forward. And it was so odd that the preacher had no idea what to do. He's like, um, uh, and I was just weeping. And I confessed Christ that night, said, I need Jesus. And that next morning, I was baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ in a lake at our church camp called Blue Lake, which wasn't really blue because it turned everybody's blonde hair green. But I remember that day. I remember my grandfather, who was responsible for me even being exposed to Jesus, stood up on the bank because I wanted him to baptize me, but he had prost uh, prostate cancer and he could not get in the water because his left leg was, was messed up. And so he had to walk with a cane. And so uh, I had the guy that was preaching that, that last evening baptize me. But I remember the look on my grandfather's face of, of um, you know, just pure joy. And I, I remember that day because that day was the day that I decided to walk in obedience to Jesus. It, it, went, it went beyond a, a, a belief for me. It was, it was something as if maybe it was because of my atheist upbringing that, that I understood that I had to take this seriously. That this wasn't just a, a decision that I'd made that I, I just let it go and say, okay, well, I'm good for eternity. So, But something inside of me was lit on fire. And I remember going home from church camp that week, and I went and I evangelized our entire block. I went to every house, knocked on their door, and I'd say, you never guess what happened to me this week. And some of the jaws that hit the floor, because I was, again, I've said it before, I was a rotten kid. 
of saying, really, you? (laughs) But I remember that day because it was a day that is ingrained in my mind where I took that step of obedience. And I think all of us, all of us need to think back on that day. From time to time, we need to remember the decision we made to follow Jesus first and foremost and then submit to him in baptism. Because that is a life-altering time. It is a time where we understand obedience and we begin to live it. It's my prayer that as we discuss baptism today that we would come to an understanding of the vitality of baptism in a believer's life. Now we've, in our churches, our brotherhood of the restoration movement, the Stone Campbell movement, have have been taught several different things about baptism that hopefully I'll be able to address today. But there's one thing that's for sure. Jesus said to do it, so we need to. He said to be baptized, and so we need to. So maybe for some today, it may be finally time to decide to enter into the waters of baptism as Scripture teaches us to do, as Jesus directs us to do. It's finally time to surrender your will to his. Let's pray. Father, as these words are spoken, I pray, God, that they are yours. I thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty for our sin. That as we believe in you, we receive grace. And as we receive this grace, we understand that obedience is necessary. So, Father, I pray for any of those in this room, online, on the phone call this morning, that may not be surrendered to you in baptism. I pray that today would be that change of heart. Help us, God, to be who you've created us to be. And may you be glorified in all things. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans 6, 4. It's a simple verse, but it's powerful in what Paul is trying to tell the church in Rome and what I believe we need to take in today. Romans 6, 4 simply says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism is a much-debated issue in the church today. It's a much-debated issue. Churches throughout history have split on this idea of what baptism is supposed to be. Just completely split their churches because of disagreements on baptism. And it's been a divisive topic for many people through, for a long time. And really, there's a problem with that. What's the problem? It shouldn't be divisive. It shouldn't be divisive. There's no reason that a Bible-believing Christian should read the New Testament and come away with a division or a divisiveness about baptism, in my humble opinion. I think it's pretty clear as to what Christ expects of those who follow him. I think it's pretty clear what we're to do. 
the early church never questioned baptism. They didn't question it. If you look to the first century church through Acts, through all the epistles, they never questioned baptism. They did it without hesitation. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know the story. The Ethiopian eunuch says, hey, there's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. There was never a, you know what, I don't know. They knew to do it, and they didn't even have the written words of the New Testament. But they knew to do it. Why? Because Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that was enough for them. They fully obeyed and did what Christ had asked them to do. And they knew that it was what God commanded as a part of their conversion experience. I mentioned a bit ago that in the Stone Campbell movement, traditionally has been, uh, been taught a little bit differently, but when I grew up in the Stone Campbell, Campbell movement, it was if you didn't get into that baptistry and you died on the way, too bad. Sorry. Should have been quicker. I ate at a funeral in my first ministry back in 2001 where a pastor literally told the mother of the child that died that he, he was not in heaven because he wasn't able to get baptized. I've been on a Facebook group of pastors from our movement of churches that have, that have <laughs> uh, been trying to comfort another pastor that said, hey, my, my grandmother passed away in the hospital last night. Uh, but good news, she was able to accept Jesus before she died. And I kid you not, one pastor said, Did you, were you able to baptize her? He said, no, she passed away after. And she said, well, I'm sorry. She's not with Jesus. Church, we need to understand baptism a little bit differently. It isn't the baptism that saves you. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. The baptism is an obedience to what Jesus has done. And so therefore, I believe baptism is absolutely essential to a person's life. And if you're standing before me saying, Dan, you know, I don't need it. I'm going to say, um, <laughs> I'm going to question you a little bit. Because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you absolutely need it. So we need to pay attention here to what Scripture is actually saying. The early church never questioned it, they did it. And it was always after accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It wasn't get in the water and then accept Jesus. But oftentimes we're, we're good about getting people wet. Let's get them baptized, let's get them baptized. No, no, no. Let's start where we need to start. Have they accepted Jesus? And if they have accepted Jesus, then let's seal the covenant. Because to me, that's what baptism really is. It's a sealing of a covenant. Jesus, before his ascension, clearly states in Matthew 28 to take part in baptizing people. In fact, it says to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then we have 
something that Jesus said before his own baptism. Question, did Jesus need to be baptized? Only to do what? Fulfill Scripture, right? Yeah, fulfill Scripture. But he didn't need baptism. He's God in flesh. But here's what Jesus says. He says, before Jesus answered him, this is John, he's talking to John, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then Jesus looked at John and said, okay, now you can do it. Why? Jesus is setting an example of what he wants those coming after him to do. This is what you're to do, believers, to fulfill all righteousness. And really, the righteousness is, is Jesus, right? Jesus makes us righteous. And to fulfill all righteousness, we need to do what he asks us to do. We need to be obedient to that. So there should be no question, um, I don't know if I should. Yes, you should. Absolutely, you should. There should be no arguments as to, do I get baptized? Do I not get baptized? Yes, you should be baptized. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are not baptized, you are living in a disobedient life. So you need this. Bottom line, baptism is absolutely necessary in obedience. It is absolutely necessary. We don't have the luxury to decide whether it's optional. It is a necessary thing. And it's clearly not um, an optional thing in Scripture. Again, the early church didn't have that, that New Testament, you know, when they first started off to, to kind of go off. They just knew because Jesus told them to do it. Church, Jesus is still telling us to do it. That hasn't stopped. We still need to be obedient. The word baptized comes from the Greek word baptizo. It's what I called a few weeks ago when I was talking about transliterations. This is a transliteration from Greek to English. Basically, they took the Greek word, said, we don't really know how to say it, so we're just going to add uh, an E and say baptize instead of tease. It, and it means to fully immerse underwater. To fully immerse underwater. Now, why is that a big deal? I mean, can't you just pour some water on somebody's head? Can't you just sprinkle them and baptize them? Was that what the word means? Do you see any instance, instance in or example in New Testament of sprinkling or just pouring on? Never. So we believe in our church that you need to be fully immersed underwater. Fully immersed. Because that's what Scripture teaches, and that was what the word meant, meant to do. Okay, and for that reason, we don't baptize infants. We believe in our church that if your child, if you want your child to be baptized, what we're going to do is we're going to do a baby dedication. We're going to have you dedicate your child. I might anoint the child's head with oil and pray over the child, but we are dedicating this child to the Lord. We don't do infant baptism because Scripture does not speak of ever an infant baptism. And because the word means to immerse, we don't do the infant baptisms that way. So that's why we don't do it. I don't know if you've ever questioned that or under, didn't understand why. 
And it's also to be a member of our church, you have to be a baptized believer, but we don't accept infant baptism as a mode of baptism. So you would have to submit yourself to baptism again by immersion. Because we believe it is your choice as whether or not you want to be baptized. It's not a choice, but it is a choice. Scripture doesn't give you a choice. You need to do it, but you still need to decide, I'm going to be obedient to that. It's your following of Jesus. We can't tell you this is what you're doing. This is how it's going to happen. No, no, you have to choose. You can choose to accept Jesus, and you can choose to enter into the waters of baptism through your obedience, but you need to do that. It's your choice to make. Baptism is done when one understands their need of God's grace in their life and accepts that grace by surrendering their lives to Jesus, and then they are ready to enter into baptism. I know many people who have been baptized, but have never really accepted Jesus. And I think because we've gotten the cart before the horse in so many situations, it begins with your surrender to Jesus Christ. And that's where life begins. From our message early on in salvation a few weeks ago, we learned that grace is the only way that we are saved, right? So why is it, besides obedience, that we need to be baptized? We know it's commanded. We know it's to declare your faith publicly. But what, what is actually going on in this time. So I want to look a little deeper. We're told that to be baptized, we are told to be baptized because it's our way to be united with Christ. That's what our passage is saying today. It's our way to be united with Christ. Let's look at Romans 6:4 again. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So to be baptized clearly means to unify yourself with what Christ did for us. You are coming into a covenant relationship with Jesus, and you are saying, Jesus, I know what you've done for me, and because you've told me to do this, I'm going to do this, and therefore you are unifying yourself with his death, burial, and his resurrection. It's a symbol of our dying to sin and walking in newness of life. Think about it. When you're standing in the water, you're standing there condemned, dirty. Just as Christ was condemned on the cross. And just as Christ was buried, you too are buried. And as Christ was raised, you too are raised in newness of life. Do you see that symbolism? And what it means to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, that's what Romans 6 is telling us. That we were buried with him in baptism into his death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are saying, Jesus, I'm with you to the end. I understand what you've done for me. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. It really helps us understand what we're leaving behind when we, when we become one with Christ. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and that is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what your life looks like when you unify yourself with Jesus. When you become one with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, You've put off the old and you put on the new. No longer are you the same person because you are obediently following him. It's not anything that the water does. It's what Christ has already done. And all we need to do is be unified into that in which he's done. So when you decide to accept God's grace and forgiveness and give your life to his lordship, to his mastership, and you decide to put on a new self that God renews daily, this is called sanctification, that every day God is renewing us. He is developing us. It's not anything that we really can do on our own outside of the spirit of God. God sanctifies us daily. That's the renewal. But it happens to those who are completely surrendered to Jesus. So have you been obedient to him? And when you, script, when you submit to a baptism as Scripture teaches, you declare publicly that this baptism is a symbol of your salvation. It's a symbol of of your salvation. It's saying, I identify with Jesus. I've accepted his grace, and because what he did on the cross saved me, I identify with that. So you're saying, this is what I believe. It's not your salvation. It is a symbolism of your salvation, that you are not your own any longer. You are his. It's a symbol of salvation in that it represents Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and your willingness to identify in that experience. It's also a declaration of your willingness to walk in the ways of Jesus. And we do it publicly for that reason, so that people can see your commitment. It can be a witness to those who are trying to teeter on, should I do this or should I not? But it's also a declaration of my intent to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And we baptize in front of our church family so that the family can hold that person accountable to that decision. It gives permission for you and I to hold one another accountable in our lives. That when I slip up, you can come up and say, hey, Dan, listen, man, that's not that's not right. Or I can go to you and say, listen, that's, that's not the way you're supposed to be living. But we use this phrase, well, Jesus says, do not judge. Well, then we end it right there. We don't read the rest of the passage. Because <laughs> in the rest of the passage, you'll find out that we are, Christians, are supposed to hold one another accountable to bring that kind of judgment on each other's lives. 
not condemning each other to hell, but holding each other accountable to the decision that we've made. We are not to judge the world. We're not to judge the world outside of Jesus. What do we expect from non-believers? Non-believing activity, right? So it'd be, it's silly to place judgment on somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. We are taking the declaration to walk in the ways of Jesus seriously when we enter into the waters of baptism. Believers are saved in reality by what baptism symbolizes, Christ's death and resurrection. We are saved by the grace of Jesus through what he has done for us. We are saved by his grace. So we as believers are commanded to obey Jesus in this and fully give ourselves away to be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. My question for you is, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you given your life completely over to Jesus? And part of that full surrender is submitting to him in baptism. I preached a similar sermon like this in Idaho one time and had a guy come forward that I fully expected already to be a baptized believer. And he said, I've believed for 40 years. He said, I've never given my life over to Jesus in baptism. So I had a pleasure that day of baptizing a 40-year believer into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what a tremendous difference in that man's life afterwards. To live 40 years in disobedience, fighting it, and he did, he fought it. To finally give in to say, Jesus, I'm completely yours. There's a difference in a person's life when they are fully surrendered to him. So are you fully surrendered? I think it's silly that we argue and bicker over something like baptism. When it so plainly is spoken of in Scripture when it is so plainly given to us as what we need to do. There's no reason to split, to argue, because Jesus said to do it, and therefore we must do it. This is what we believe about baptism. This is what makes baptism an absolutely essential part of being a Christian. It's an essential part of being a Christian. For some reason, many Christians struggle with accepting this as an essential requirement in Christianity. I've gotten told before, well, you can't say it's an essential. Yes, I can. The Bible says it's essential. It's essential in the fact of our obedience to Jesus Christ. Is it not essential for a Christian to be obedient to Jesus in all aspects of life, in their tithing, in their attendance, in all these things, this obedience is requirement in Jesus. This is what he asks us to do. We begin to cherry pick what we want scripture to mean and to, we can't do that. We have to take what scripture says. 
It isn't what does the scripture mean to you? It's what does the scripture mean? How do we interpret this? When doing this, we choose to ignore the word and we live in disobedience. You see, submitting to baptism depicts a full acceptance of what Jesus has done. It says, Jesus, I don't understand what you've done, nor do I understand why you've done it. But I know you have. And I place my trust in you. And because of what you've done, because you have said to do this to fulfill all righteousness, because you have said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to submit to this. So we must submit to all that he commands. Everything. Have you been obedient to his call to biblical baptism? I challenge you today that if you are living in this disobedience, or if you know someone who is living in this disobedience, that you, first off, it's you, that you would come today and submit to the biblical baptism that Jesus calls you to submit to. If you know somebody who's living this way, lovingly show them what the Bible says. Help them to see the truth. Walk them through it. Show them that they too may see the truth. Jesus calls all of us to live in him completely. Not three quarters, not half, but fully. And that means that we have to do things that may be against what our feelings are. Or we may have to, we have to maybe a part of things that are a little uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. But it is full obedience to Jesus. Will you surrender your will to his? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for how clear your word is when it comes to baptism. Father, that you say to do it, so we should do it. Forgive us, Lord, for any dissent or arguing or, or splitting that has taken place in the, the church as a whole, Father, over this issue of baptism that you so clearly have laid out. Help us, God, to not walk in arrogance, but to walk in humility, submitting fully to who you are. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.